Circle, page 101. Circle, from the Middle English, circle in the Latin circulus. Noun, a flat curve that is always and forever, forever equidistant from a given fixed point. A group of people sharing an interest or activity. Verb, to enclose, revolve, move around an object without reaching or touching it. Circle. Aisha. Chanteuse. Key. Raven. Gani. Nando. Early lost track of the names. The kids stood in a circle inside the tutoring room, and Mr. John, a young man with a white button-down shirt and jeans, introduced them all. He then clapped his hands and said, Okay, who's got homework to do before we play a few games? Juby held tight to Early's hand and neither moved. Other kids unzipped backpacks and pulled out worksheets. In the middle of each of the tables was a jelly jar with pencils. A sign on the jar said, Help yourself if you need to. Please sharpen pencil before returning it. I'm not in my new school yet, Early explained to Mr. John when he asked if he could help her get started. But I will be the day after tomorrow. Could my brother and I look at some of your books? And, well, my notebook is gone, and do you have a small one I could write in? <clears throat> yeah, Juby piped up before the tutor could answer. Those bad guys took everything and smashed all of our dishes and worlds under one arm, not even a penny spent. That's what my dad used to say. What kind of stuff do you like to do? Aisha sat up straight for the first time. Well... I want to have my own hair salon one day, and I like to play with dolls, except my favorite, chocolate cake, chocolate cake, fell out of a window and is gone. Got pushed out a window. Her eyes filled with tears, and she blinked rapidly. Yeah, all of my favorite things are gone too, Early said. All but one old book. Losing stuff stinks. Aisha looked at her gratefully. Yeah, I think sometimes the grown-ups don't know how much our things matter. Plus, we lost our home. Us too, Early nodded. That feels super bad. The other kids at the table nodded. How do you spell your name? One boy asked. One boy at the table asked. That's one crazy name. I like it. E-A-R-L-Y. Like the opposite of late. And our last name is Pearl. Ooh, that's real pretty. Quilindo. Nice sounding, like a movie star. Uh-huh, real smooth. Suddenly, Early felt like she belonged, at least a tiny bit. And my real name's Jubilation, blurted Juby. It means loud and cheerful. That's a church-going kind of name, isn't it? Another boy asked. Juby looked at his sister for help. Early shrugged, saying... I don't know. We only go to church a couple of times a year, but I know my parents liked the word, you know? They think a word or a name can be worth noticing, like it's free but valuable. That's what my grandma says, another girl piped up. You want to be remembered. The other kids nodded, and suddenly Early and Juby were inside a circle. After she and Aisha finished two more pocket notebooks, Early tried to get her new friend to keep one, but she didn't want it. I'd waste it, she explained. 
Early took Juby over to look at the books. On the side of the room, most seemed brand new, as if they'd never been opened. She asked Mr. John if she and Juby could each borrow a book, and when their tutor hesitated, Early made two homemade library cards, one for her and one for her brother. She wrote Treasure Island and the date on the bottom of hers, and the Lion King on the bottom of Juby's. We'll bring them back soon, she promised. The other kids watched, and although no one else asked to borrow a book, no one said anything nasty either. On the way out, hugging the homemade books, homemade notebooks, a pencil, and two borrowed books, Early felt sad that Shoe Rock and Darren hadn't made it. She asked if anyone had seen him that afternoon. The other kids looked blank. She shrugged. One shrugged as he zipped up his backpack. Sometimes a family gets pulled out and sent to another shelter. Bang! And there's no warning. Or something happens to one of the older boys who aren't allowed to stay here. And the mom makes the whole family move. Dang! We're dragging those hefty garbage bags again. This here's a tough life, he said. Mr. John reached over and patted him on the shoulder. But we're here for you guys, he said. That don't always do much good, the kid said, turning away. Early's heart sank. What's the rhythm, Langston? She asked in her head. What's the rhythm? Suddenly, she felt lost. As they left the tutoring room, she looked at the clock. It was 4.44. A shiver raced down her spine, and she reached for Juby's hand. Circle. Presto! A wall, our own light, a wild reading corner, and a laundry line. Some swept her arm out and bowed, as if stepping into their cluster was a special event. While Early and Juby had been in the tutoring room, some had hunted through a new load of donations that had arrived at the shelter. Out popped a sheet covered with clouds, a battery-powered flashlight, and a new pink and orange pillow with a zebra-skin pattern, one big enough for all three pearls to lean against. She tidied up, adding the sheet as a wall and hanging their clean underwear to dry on a bathrobe tie stretched between the upper bunks. Things looked almost homey. Darren and his family weren't at dinner that night. After eating, the three pearls did sit-ups and stretches in the second-floor hallway, as they hadn't left the shelter since they'd arrived the day before. Then they showered, brushed their teeth, and cuddled in the lower bunk while some read Treasure Island, Early on one side and Juby on the other. Dash had already read it aloud to the family, skipping parts that were confusing or too scary, so it was more or less familiar. They tried to ignore the other sounds in the room until a cough, right behind Sum's head, on the other side of the cloud sheet, made her sit up straight and bang her head on the top bunk. Yow! Second time I've done that! Who's out there? She jerked the sheet aside, and there were four faces. Three girls and a boy, all sitting on their knees, listening. See, you stupid, the oldest said, swatting at the youngest, who had a terribly runny nose. He started to cry, which made the coughing worse, saying, keep our place to early. 
Some went around the side of the bed and asked the kids where their mom was. They pointed. She walked over, bent to talk to a woman lying down on a lower bunk with a baby, and came back smiling. She says you can listen, some said to the kids, her voice soft. She beckoned and they followed, stepping on one another in their eagerness to get to the pearls' cluster. When she patted a lower bunk, all four obediently sat down. She handed the littlest boy a piece of toilet paper to blow his nose. Please wash your hands afterwards, she murmured. We'll wait for you. The boy trotted off to do as she'd said, and as soon as he was settled back on the bed, some explained that the book was about pirates and added, Okay, we're going back a couple of pages so you don't miss the beginning. This is happening over 200 years ago, and it's about looking for stolen treasure. And parts of it, I have to warn you, are about too much alcohol, murder, and mean scary men. Stop me if it gets too frightening. I don't want to give anyone bad dreams, but it is a great story. It's being told by a boy who lives in a small guest house run by his parents by the seashore in England. That's on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. The boy has to help out a lot. He doesn't have it too easy. The four visitors nodded, and the oldest girl said, Is it, like, X-rated? Well, some paused. I think it's okay for us. It's been around for many generations, and people all over the world have grown up reading it. Go some, Juby said impatiently. Early thought Darren would like hearing this scary story, one told by a young boy. Too bad he couldn't be here, too. Some began in an unhurried, listen-to-each-word voice. I remember him as if it were yesterday, as he came plodding to the inn door, his sea chest following behind him in a hand barrow, a tall, strong, heavy, nut-brown man, his tarry pigtail falling over the shoulders of his soiled blue coat, his hands ragged and scarred with black broken nails, and the sobre cut across one cheek, a dirty, livid white. I remember him looking around the cove and whistling to himself as he did so, and then breaking out in that old sea song that he sang so often afterwards, Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, yo-ho-ho, and a bottle of rum, in the high, old tottering voice that seemed to have been tuned and broken at the catspin bars. Part of a ship, some explained. Then he rapped on the door with a bit of stick like a hand spike that he carried, and when my father appeared, called roughly for a glass of rum. This, when it was brought to him, he drank slowly like a connoisseur, lingering on the taste and still looking about him at the cliffs and up at our signboard. This is a handy cove, he said at length, and a pleasant situated grog shop. That means a bar, some said. Much company, mate. My father told him, no, very little company. The more was the pity. Well then, he said, this is the berth for me. 
A berth is a bed on a ship, some explained. Here, you matey, he cried to the man who trundled the barrow. Bring up alongside and help up my chest. A sea chest was what they used for a suitcase in those days. It looked like a treasure chest and sometimes was. I'll stay here a bit, he continued. I'm a plain man. Rum and bacon and eggs is what I want. Oh, I see what you're at there. And he threw down three or four gold pieces on the threshold. You can tell me when I've worked through that, he says, looking as fierce as a commander. Some went on to read about the pirate bullying everyone at the house for the next few weeks, telling terrible stories about some of the wickedest men that God ever allowed upon the sea, and then demanding to be fed and taken care of, but without more pay. He was too frightening to refuse. Plus, he never bathed or washed his clothes, and as he had arrived in rags, he was looking pretty bad. He kept his sea chest, which he hinted was filled with valuables, locked at all times. Some also read about the pirate telling the young boy to keep a weather eye open, meaning to look out at all the time, for a seafaring man with one leg. It was clear that the pirate was worried about this man. And here I'll stop, some said. Hope it isn't too much. Just fiction, you know. One of the kids on the bunk said, Where's the man's home? Some looked sideways at the kids and sighed. Probably hadn't had one for years. Maybe never. I'll bet he just lived on ships when he went out to sea. Must have smelled something awful, another kid said. As bad as that guy who lives in the doorway down the street. Once we said hi to him, and he was shaking out his sleeping bag, and pee-you. Poor soul, some said. I could live on a ship, the boy with the runny nose said, his voice high with excitement, and have a sea chest with my stuff inside. No toilets or running water, some said. Lots of rats and bugs. Worms in the food. No toilet paper. Oh, nasty. Pirates didn't got it easy. Pirates don't work. They just steal, right? Asked Juby. So they don't get a home. They're bad. Sometimes bad people get homes and good people don't, some said lightly. We'll find out who gets what if we keep reading. Off you go, kids. That night, with the three pearls still curled into one bunk, Early hoped Dash wasn't being bullied wherever he was. Good night, Dash, she said in her mind. Sweet dreams. We're working hard to find you. But I have a question. What does 444 mean? Did you make me see it today? I remember what you wrote in your notebook, the last page about the times. If 4 plus 4 plus 4 equals 12, and 1 plus 2 equals 3, is 3 a clue? Or is it just that when you add and re-add those lines of repeating numbers, they turn into a rhythm of 3, 6, 9? And that's what matters. But why? I don't like 3. We pearls are a 4, not a 3. And I don't want to notice 3s. 
I wish something in your notebook added up to four. Tears rolled off into the pillow under Early's cheek, and then she felt it. Dash's hand cupping the side of her head. Just a light touch, the way he did at home, checking on her and Juby before he and Sum went to sleep. She felt it. Her eyes popped open, and she sat up on one elbow. Sum's back was to her, and Juby was curled against Sum. Sum turned her head. You doing okay, Early? Her voice was sleepy. Early knew she couldn't tell what had just happened, not without making some sad. She forced some cheerfulness into her voice. Yeah, night. Then when she'd settled back on the pillow, she whispered in her head, Thanks, Dash. She lay awake for what felt like ages, listening to the murmurs and occasional crying, sneezing and sniffling in the big room. Snow with a steady wind made a plit, plit, plish sound against the windows, and every once in a while, a radiator wheezed steam. The guard in the corner read a magazine with a flashlight and occasionally walked the length of the room and back, one of her sneakers squeaking under her weight. Each time someone tiptoed by to the bathroom, he or she crossed the light in the open door, dragging a panel of shadow across early space. First one way, then the other. Who could help them? And then suddenly she remembered a name. Someone from Dash's past. Someone who might still be around. She tucked the thought beneath her pillow. I can do this, Dash, she whispered. Circle. Early opened to the first page of one of her new notebooks and wrote, each letter spy style neat. Find Skip Wave, Dash's old teacher. Check telephone book first. By mid-morning, she felt ready to try the new school. More than ready. Time dragged, the hands on the shelter clock seeming barely to move. Early and Juby walked by the room Darren had been in, but it was quiet. Too quiet. He might be in school, but then where were his mom and the littler kids? They hadn't been at breakfast this morning. Early sighed and wondered if she would ever see Darren again. The tutoring room was locked and empty until three o'clock when the bigger kids came back from school. Early hoped there was a phone book in there. She could do this on her own. She'd tell some when she had good news to share. Her mother spent what seemed like endless hours waiting in the phone lines, hoping to be prepared for her trip to the police station the next day by getting free legal advice ahead of time. Most of the places she reached forced her to leave a message giving her name and the main number of the shelter, and she'd been told those calls hardly ever get returned. She also met with a shelter employment counselor who wanted a promise that she'd put Juby into affordable daycare before she was offered a job, something she and Dash had agreed they wouldn't do with their kids. Not that there was much work around. These days, for people who'd only finished high school, some was in no mood to sympathize with Early and Juby's feeling bored. Early had read The Lion King to her brother three times when Juby found another boy to play with up in the sleeping area, a kid who'd been wandering around the edges of the room. Early breathed a sigh of relief. She just picked up her notebook again when Juby was back. 
He pulled my shirt early. Juby whined. He's not being nice. We got nothing fun to play with. Just his little sister's baby toys. Early sighed. Come on, we'll play red light, green light in the hall. As soon as they started, more kids about Juby's age showed up. Early explained the rules. Soon she had ten small people looking at her. She turned her back and covered her eyes. Green light, she said, then spun around. Red! This went on with one, four, and five-year-old after another, becoming the leader until someone gave an ear-splitting shriek and a guard came out and told them all to quiet down. You all running a playgroup here? The guard said. You're somebody's good daughter, she added, and patted Early on the shoulder. That helped. Early went on to organize a game of statues, which is quieter, and then a game of telephone, in which the kids sat in a circle and each whispered a name in the next ear. She was exhausted by the time lunch rolled around, and some came downstairs. Her mother looked thunderous right when Early wanted her to smile and give her a hug. I took care of a lot of kids while you were up there, Early began. That's good, some said in a flat voice. Wish I'd done something worthwhile. Lunch was icky, greasy meat with green noodles on the side. Juby was whining again. Early started to feel desperate. Couldn't you take us out for a little walk some, she asked. Wouldn't it feel good to see the sky and get some air? Some looked blankly at her daughter. Yeah, but I need every minute I have to find out what our rights are before I sit down with those police people again. I gotta make this appointment tomorrow count, you know? Then, as if seeing Early's unhappy face for the first time, she said, I'm sorry, baby. It'll feel refreshing to get to school tomorrow, and if you can just keep an eye on Juby for a few more hours, that'll be the best help ever. Early nodded numbly. She thought of all the fun things they'd had at home. Play-Doh, paints and crayons, paper, toys, and, of course, books. They'd gone on trips to the local library, sometimes twice a week, made cookies with some, had blocks and Legos to build with. It had all felt normal then, but so much choice now seemed like luxury. Circle. Early spread her clothes carefully on one of the bunks and ironed them with the palm of her hand. She got a sock from the dirty laundry, wet it, and cleaned the sides of her sneakers. Once dressed, she sat quietly on the bed and wrote in her new notebook. Hoping for hope today. She paused and looked up. Some was watching, her eyes gentle, like old time warm. Tears suddenly pricked in Early's eyes and she turned her head. Love you, Early Pearl, her mother whispered. Early got busy putting her notebook away and blinked like mad before answering. Yeah, me too, Sam. Sam and Juby were downstairs when Early left with a group of 12 kids to go to school that morning with Miss Happity. No other parents were there to see them off. Sam stepped up and tied Early's scarf extra tight around her face. It's cold out there now, she said. You keep those gloves on too, Early nodded. Your mom's real nice. Aisha said as they stepped outside. Mine's always tired, 
Sometimes we kids had to call her lots to get her up for breakfast before here. Early nodded again. Weird. She hadn't seen any other kids at mealtimes with Aisha and her mom. There's other kids in your family? Early asked. Aisha tucked her chin deeper into her scarf. They died in the fire with my grandma, she said. Used to be. Just me and my mom now. Whoa. Early looked sideways at Aisha. I'm sorry. That's so, so sad. I didn't know. Aisha shrugged, then coughed. It happened three years ago now, when I was little. I'll always miss them. Sometimes I hear their voices in my head. We got their pictures with us wherever we go, and my mom's still real upset. Every time she gets a job, like restaurant counter work, a few weeks go by and then they want her to leave. Maybe because she cries real easy. I'm not sure. Aisha wiped her nose on the back of her mitten. Your mom seems nice, Early said, not knowing what else to say. Sometimes I hear voices in my head. Early especially hated that part of Aisha's story. They walked a little without talking, boots crunching in the snow. It was a gray morning, no wind, and the neighborhood looked bigger and busier than Woodlawn. It also seemed like there were a lot of very poor people out on the streets. Some held coffee cups with jingly change in them, saying things like, Good morning, can you help the homeless? Have a blessed day. Others huddled over grates on the sidewalk, heads down, feet wrapped in thick rags for warmth. Some had hand-lettered cardboard signs that read, I am hungry, lost my home, fallen down in hard times, or I am a Vietnam vet with injuries. I fought for you. Can you give back to me? I have four grandkids to raise and no work, or lost my job, got medical bills I can't pay. Please help me stay alive. Don't want to die. Others simply walked, wandering back and forth, talking to no one early could see. She wished she had some coins to give. Seeing these people out in the cold, many trying to share their stories while no one listened, made early move slower and slower. Didn't anyone care? Aisha pulled on her arm. Miss Happity glanced back and said, Early, come on up here. I want to tell you a few things about your new school. You'll love it. Now, this morning, they'll be giving you some tests to see what grade you should go into. So you'll be in the office most of the day. But you can have lunch with the other kids. So keep an eye out for Aisha here. I'll look for her, Aisha piped up. But I'm in fifth grade. They can call my old school and ask. Well, they just like to do things this way. So that's what'll happen. Don't worry, it'll be fine. And Miss Happity? Early glanced at her face. Yes? Did Darren, uh, leave the shelter? He kind of made friends with me and Juby. Miss Happity sighed. Very sad. A friend of his mom's died and they all left suddenly. But, well, I have a feeling they'll be back. Not his dad. No, not his dad. Miss Happity's tone made it clear. The conversation was over. 
When they stepped inside the door, the other kids walked down the hall in a little cluster. The school was big and gloomy, as if someone had forgotten to turn on the lights. A woman in a security uniform sat at a desk at the entrance, calling hello to some of the kids by name. Army green lockers lined the halls, and kids put away backpacks and boots with the familiar whack-thud slam that echoes through most schools at the beginning of each day. Miss Happity ushered early into the office down the hall. New student, she called out. Early Pearl, she's registered. Gotcha, what a pretty name, a woman with a blonde beehive hairdo cooed. She'd walked long lemon-striped nails back and forth over a stack of papers. I'll be right with you. Oh, you need breakfast sugar? Early shook her head. No, ma'am, she said. As soon as the beehive left the room, Early looked around, skimming the shelves for a telephone book. A new one lay just behind the reception area. Before starting the test, several minutes later, Early asked if she could have the phone book next to her, just in case she wanted to sit on it. Well, why not? The beehive lady said and brought it over. This wasn't so hard, Early thought to herself. She was getting used to the life of a spy. The test was all true-false questions. Early filled in little round circles with her pencil, turning page after page. Soon the bell rang for lunch, and she heard kids pouring out into the hall. Can I go? she asked. Soon as you're done, was the reply. Early hustled through the last couple of pages. That was pretty easy. Oh, and can I just look up a family friend as long as the phone book is here? She asked. Certainly. Let me have the test. Right back, honey. The lady left the room, coffee mug in hand, test under one elbow. Early thumbed through the W's, her heart beginning to pound. Oh, please, Mr. Wayne, be here. Mr. Wave, be here, she thought. Her finger ran down the column, but there was no wave with an I in the spelling. Dash had told her that it was an unusual Irish name. She slapped the book shut, suddenly discouraged. The beehive lady returned, steam rising from her mug, and smiled pleasantly. Find it? she asked. Well, no. Early took a deep breath and added, You see, my dad's disappeared, and we're pretty sure he got caught in something bad. I want to get in touch with his old teacher, Mr. Skip Wave. I know he taught in a school on the south side. He was good to my dad, and he might be able to help us. Know which school? the lady asked brightly. No, Early frowned. Isn't there a teacher list you could look at? Not really, but I'll see what I can do. You just stop by again after lunch. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Early paused. B, the woman said, smiling. Early hurried away, wanting to laugh. And Mrs. B with a hairdo for bees on her head and yellow stripes on her dark fingernails. She felt almost bouncy walking into the lunchroom. Yikes. As the door swung shut behind her, she stopped dead. The room was huge and filled with kids talking and laughing and eating. She scanned the faces. No Aisha, at least that she could see. 
She walked slowly toward the line for food, watching carefully so that when she grabbed her tray and fork and spoon, she looked like she knew what she was doing. Meatloaf, potatoes, peas, a dish with applesauce. Early paused, holding her tray and started to sit at the table that was half full when a girl at the other end with a group of boys called, No room, holding seats, then covered a smile with her hand. Early glanced at her face and turned away, trying to look like she didn't care. She tried another table, this one all girls. No one there told her not to sit, but they didn't make her welcome either. Those sitting closest turned their backs. She ate quietly, each mouthful taking forever to chew, studying the napkin holder in front of her. As she stood to go, she didn't know what to do with her tray. Over there, a girl with long, perfect braids pointing to the corner. That's where garbage goes. And then tossed her head, a black braid snaking backward over one shoulder. Thanks, Early said. Now the girl was pressing one finger under her nose as if she smelled something bad. Stinking shelter kids, she hissed in a loud voice to her friend. Give our school a bad name. My mom says not to talk to him, but I'm not that unkind. Early couldn't breathe for a moment. Shelter kids? She glared at the girl, her eyes filling with tears, then wished she hadn't. The girl made her eyes big and round and gave Early a, what did I do look? Her friends backed her up, wrinkling noses. Hey, I can't take the unwashed clothes. Can you, Marie? One asked, and the group stood together, turned, and walked away. Early stumbled toward the corner with her tray and shoved it in hard into the pile. She pictured whizzing it expertly at the girl's head and bits of gravy and potato going everywhere. The group of girls screaming, their clean, smooth t-shirts spotted with grease. When Early got back to the office, Mrs. B said, Well, I have some nice news for you. I found Mr. Wave. He's retired, and I need permission from him before I can give you his phone number. Can you spell your dad's first name for me? Early did, her misery lifting. Sounds like the mystery writer, Dashiell Hammett. Ooh, thank you so much. Never heard of them, but that's nice. You're a bookish family, Mrs. B said. I don't read much, got to admit, she giggled, as if that were adorable. My dad works in the big Chicago Public Library downtown in Harold, Washington. His department is history and social sciences, Early said. Ah, Mrs. B cooed, just as if Early had said she loved giant cupcakes. Well, I can tell you're a special daughter, and I'll see what I can do. You be sure to stop by and see me tomorrow. Meanwhile, where would you like to wait? I'm assuming you're walking back with Mrs. Happity after school today. Early spent the rest of the afternoon in the library with some of her old friends. She reread the part in Catherine Patterson's The Great Gilly Hopkins, in which Gilly snipped off a hunk of her own hair, did everything possible to make everyone around her angry, and started a huge bloody fight at school, even staring down the principal when she got sent to his office. Early imagined chopping off 
one of those long, excellent braids and getting thrown out of Hugh's school before she'd even started. And what if she complained and moaned about taking care of Juby and comforting some, about listening all the time with every bit of her aching soul for Dash? She was tired of trying to make things better, tired of putting a good spin on things, tired. Then she thought about the people on the street, the ones no one even seemed to notice. That sadness blotted up some of her anger at the unfairness of it all. What had happened to their family might be unjust and frightening, but at least they had things to eat and stuff to do. At least people listened to what she had to say. At least some would get help from the police once they understood that Dash hadn't done anything wrong. At least they had hope. As they lined up to walk back to Helping Hand, Aisha run, rushed over. Where were you early? I looked and looked. Maybe the later lunch crowd, Miss Happity suggested. By the way, early, I understand you're going in with the fifth grade tomorrow. You did fine on the test. That's good, early said, her voice flat. Yeah, I looked for you too, Aisha. Sat with some mean kids. They said I smelled bad because I came from the shelter. Oh, that's terrible, Miss Happity scowled. Will you just ignore those kind of comments? Obnoxious. They don't know any better. Yes, ma'am, Early said. She pictured that lovely braid on the lunchroom floor, surrounded by squashed peas, crumbs, and sticky sneaker prints. On the way home, she nodded hello to each person who is begging on the street. The generous response she got. A whole lot of, bless you, darling, good luck now, and know you'd help if you could make her feel more like herself, like Dash's girl. That is, until she saw some waiting inside the door of helping hand, Juby in her arms, pacing as tears ran down her face. <laughs>